Good morning. My name is Heath. I am the lead pastor. I'm not yet a senior yet. I don't know why I don't like that term. Let's just say lead. Um, so this morning, we're going to be in Acts 10. Um, and if you have your Bibles, um, you can move there. We'll be there in just a minute. Uh, if not, it will be on the screen behind you. And here's my one thing that I am going to try to my best to communicate um, is that Jesus opened the door. He's done and continues to do a lot of work in the lives of people to show himself as God. Himself as powerful, himself as the one that uh, it's worth our effort and energy to have faith in. So... God uses awkward obedience to open doors, which we'll see. Pretty awkward, the encounter that happens. It doesn't seem awkward because it's not necessarily in our culture, but it's, it was pretty awkward. awkward. Uh, obeying the call of God always comes with great risk and great reward. Um, some of you are in this room right now because of someone else's risk that they took to share the gospel. Um, all of you are in this room because uh, me and my family and eight other families took a risk and moved to eastern North Carolina. Reaches here because of awkward obedience. It wasn't one of those things that like, you think most people are like, the call of God, I'm going to go plant a church. You know, there was celebration and fireworks. It was more like, seriously? Um you know, I, I didn't I didn't see that in my I didn't see this in my world. I was going to be a youth pastor until I went into senior ministry. Then I'd be senior pastor. Um, see, uh, and the the great news um, that we get the opportunity to share the gospel uh, is an invitation to a table, which is why we're going to close in communion today. Uh, and today we'll see. When the door of the gospel was open to you and me, uh, which again, it's been 2,000 years, so it kind of seems like, oh, the gospel has always been ours, um, but it wasn't until this moment, clearly. And today, at the end of the service, you'll be invited, um, not necessarily literally to a table, but to our new way of communion. And I'm sorry, I did sample the wafer, and it, it is what it is. It's all the symbol. <clears throat> so, uh, before we get into the word, I want us to pray. Um, dear Jesus, uh, this is a season where we need the boldness that you gave your disciples as they came against roadblocks, as they came against threats, uh, as they came against opposition to the message of Jesus. Uh, Lord, we need your boldness as we look at your word as we hear what you've done for us, as you open the door for us so that we could show people that way. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would undertake awkward obedience to show people uh, your love so that they'll hear your message through not only our words, but our actions. And so, Lord, we just thank you for um, acts uh, and what it means to the church today, because it is the the birth of what you established here. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
But like I said, we're going to start in Acts 10. Uh, we're going to start in verse 9, but before that, something happens. So there's this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius is a centurion. He's an, uh, a, a Roman soldier um, who it does lots of things that present him. He prays continually. He gives money to the poor. He is well-liked by the Jewish people of the day. But he's still part of the occupying force over their land. He's still um, someone separate. But in the middle of the day, or not middle, in the afternoon, he literally has a vision where he sees an angel of the Lord come to him and says, Sin for Peter. He's going to be at this house. Go and get him. He has something that he needs to share with you. And so immediately, once that vision ends, which is funny compared to what Peter does, immediately when that vision ends, he sends his three guys. Go right now. It's a 33-mile journey from place to place. So it's not like, hey, I'm going to hop in my car and I'm going to get him. These three guys started walking. Do you know Immediately, uh, uh, Cornelius sent them, they're on their way, and in the middle of them being on their way, um, God has an encounter with Peter, which is going to seem strange, and I'm not going to get into all of it. There's so much good stuff in, in what actually happens in here. But starting in verse 9, so the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, the, the guys who left from Cornelius, they're at the end of the 33-mile journey, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He's connecting with the Father. He wasn't sitting around doing nothing. Uh, His connection to his Savior was paramount. It was important to him. It was something that he did, which we saw um, last week, as they were still going to the temple at the prescribed prayer hours. But he's on the rooftop praying, spending time with his Savior. In verse 10 it says, And he became hungry and wanted to eat something. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending and let down by the four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And for us to understand how significant this was, in their culture, God had given them a list of things that they should not eat. It would make them unclean. And most of what they were supposed to do was to, at a season of, um, not the church, but a season of the Jewish people, it was to isolate them so that they could grow strong in what they believed and who they were, and it it would strengthen their identity. But these things were also, at this time in the birth of the church, was isolating them from the Gentiles, which is Cornelius. And so this sheet comes down with all of these animals that they're not allowed to eat. They're not allowed to touch. They're not allowed to interact with. Because if they eat or interact, some of them, if they even touch them, they'll be unclean. They'll be ceremonially separated from God because they've disobeyed. So God gives him this vision, lays the sheet down, and, and, and tells him, rise, kill, and eat. And he, being a good Jew that had been trained for however many years he'd been alive, not to, Peter, this is so funny, like, he has this vision. 
has the Holy Spirit. We've seen him do amazing things, but in the vision, it tells him to do something in his his comment in verse 14. But Peter said, by no means. Like, clearly, God is okay with our hard-headedness. Clearly, God will work through. And so look what it does. He, He says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call unclean. In verse 16, and this happened three times, and the thing was taken up once in he- once to heaven. Three times. Peter loves threes. Denied him three times. Um, God restored, or Jesus restored him three times once, you know, he got back, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, do you love me? So Cornelius, the, the Gentile, gets a vision and he responds immediately. Send for Peter. Peter gets a vision. Now, it was something for Cornelius. It was no hinder culturally or anything to have Peter into his house. So there was no, there was no opposition to his. Peter, on the other end, this was a big deal. And so God was preparing him. So as this vision was happening, this happens. In verse 17, it says, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry at Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out and asked whether Simon, who is called Peter, was lodged there. So as he's thinking, oh man, what may this mean? These people knock on the door, call out, is is this where Simon, who's called Peter? In verse 19 it says, while Peter was pondering This vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, these three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So God gives him this vision that he's he's struggling with because this is changing inwardly who he's been his whole life. He finishes, he's thinking about, like, what is this to mean Three people knock on his door, and just so he wouldn't get confused, God tells him, "Go, rise and go with these people immediately. In verse 21, And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What reason, what is the reason for your coming? He's still like, hey, I want to, you know, God just said, go immediately. He's like, "Why, why are you here? In verse 22, and it says, And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guest. The next day he rose and went away with them and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So it, was, it would have been highly unusual for him to have them in his house. It would, it, would, it would have made them unclean. So he invites them in their house. They spend night because it's a 33-mile journey. They get up the next day and head out. And, of course, Peter has his little crew that comes with him, maybe his disciples, maybe some of the other um, um, apostles come with him to this meeting, which is important because you want witnesses to see what is getting ready to happen. He actually gets challenged about this later. 
verse 24. And it says, On the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. He's faithfully waiting. He, he knows how long the journey is going to take to get there and come back. And he has called people into his house to hear. Because God, through the angel, said, there's something I want you to hear. And so Cornelius wasn't like, hey, you know, I, I, um, I, I need to make sure this is going to be okay. He invites, like his whole family and people are there. He was okay for awkward. Could you imagine going to your family and friends being like, hey, I mean, just try this later on today. I had a vision from the Lord. I mean, just, and, 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 and make up some, don't do this. This is a joke. But I'm saying, could you imagine the, somebody's like, yes, I'm going to do that later. Could you imagine the awkwardness of you going to your family? Hey, can you come over tomorrow night at six o'clock? We're having an honor guest. Oh, who's coming? Well, an angel Lord appeared to me and said, invite this guy that I don't know from this other city. And I sent people and he's going to come. Oh, what's, what's he going to share? Who is he? I, I, I don't know. But God has something good for him to share. And, you know, Cornelius is very respected by the whole Jewish nation. I'm assuming his family and friends and other people would be like, hey, what he says, I'm going to listen to. And in verse 25, it says, And Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Because all he knows is the angel of the Lord said, bring this person. And he is excited about this encounter. But in verse 26, it says, But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand, I too am a man. Two chapters later, if you've been reading in Acts, you've seen what happens when someone takes the glory that is determined for God. Herod, he, he gives a, a, you know, a message. He gives a, a speech. And the people are like, oh, that is the voice of God. And he takes it like, yeah, I'm awesome. Well, God kills him, sends him worms. And he literally, it says, he's eaten by worms and dies. Like, not dies and eaten by worms. And so, like, Horrible. So Peter's like, no, 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 you, you, you need to get up. I'm just a man. In verse 27, it says, as he was talking to him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourself know how unlawful. This was in, in Peter's book of being a good follower of Jehovah, follower of God. This was unlawful. For it is unlawful, it is, for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection, other than asking him, what do you want me for? I asked then, why have you sent me? God has already, through Jesus, been piercing this. And we talked about this not too long ago. That he, he went to the Samaritan people. He went to the woman at the well intentionally. We, we see that he's doing it. But the church at this point wasn't ready to branch out to the Gentiles. They weren't ready, even though Jesus had, had made interaction with those that aren't necessarily under um, the, the family of the Jews. But we see him talking about what is making us. And in Mark 7, you, you hear this hints of this challenge. Because it's like, 
what's going to make you unclean? Is entering into this man's house going to make you unclean? And in Mark 7, you have this whole thing. It says it's not what goes into the body that defiles him, but rather what comes out of it. So there was this whole culture of like, no, 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 I cannot let in this thing that's going to defile me. And Jesus is like, really, it's what's inside of you that's going to ruin what comes out. So Cornelius explains his vision to Peter. He tells them what happened. He tells them about the angel coming. In verse 3 it says, So I sent to you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Verse 36. It says, As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourself know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism of John that, uh, that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God has sent him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and Jerusalem. And they put to death by hanging on the tree. But God raised him on the third day and made it made to appear. Not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses. Who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people, and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. See, Cornelius was familiar with what has happened. He was familiar with the Jewish culture. He was familiar with the Messiah. He's, he, he's mentioning here... The prophets bear witness. I mean, he's aware of what's going on, but had not made the connection. And before Peter even finished, like, I I want to, I've never had a service like this, but I want a service that in the middle of my message, that the Holy Spirit falls and people get saved without you even finishing. There was no like, hey, um, can I, you know, if you want to receive. There was no raise hand. There was nothing. In the middle of him telling who Jesus was, the Holy Spirit fell. In verse 44, it says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with people were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. See, I think if if Peter would have finished his sermon and they would have been like, we believe in Jesus, I don't know that the church would have opened its doors like it did to the Gentiles. He, he, went, he goes back and he's still questioned about why did you go there? What did you do? Like, why did you go into this person's house? But the Holy Spirit is the seal of what God's doing. No one could question, is this of God? Because if you had a great sermon and people respond, you could be like, oh, they were just moved by blah, blah, blah. But when the Holy Spirit falls in the middle of your message, no more 
can you go, oh, I'm not sure if God loves these people. That was done. That was settled. And they were baptized immediately. The church opened its doors to us. Unless you are born of a Jewish lineage, the doors to the gospel were open to us right here. The church, the reason why Reach Community Church exists in North America, North Carolina, is because Peter awkwardly, this is awkward, me kept asking, what, 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 why, why am I here? Why am I here? Why do you want me to come? I don't know. Because of his awkward obedience, the door was opened to us. And there's so many things that this implies. For one, God has continually been the one that goes where he wants to go. There is no place that God won't transform if he desires too. I mean, like literally, the Jews were waiting for a Messiah, a military king like David, to come in there and eradicate Rome. That's what they were waiting for. And they missed the Messiah because what they wanted the Messiah to be, he was not. They were angry. They wanted to be freed from him. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. just carry their pack a little bit longer. He, he's in, in, And the door gets opened to one who works for the oppressor. I mean, one of his disciples was Matthew, who was a tax collector. And you think, oh, like, uh, I mean, we might have somebody that works the IRS that goes to church. It's not that big a deal. No, this was a Jew who's working for this occupying force that's collecting taxes and Typically, not just the taxes that they're supposed to, but extra taxes. And he invites one of them to be his disciple. Jesus is going out of his way and is still going out of his way and is still encouraging us to help open doors to people. And I know it's, this, this is hard for most of us because all we've known in our life and in our church history, is the gospel being available to us? It being ours. We actually think, it's, it's mine. Well, it's yours today. You were invited to a table because of Peter's obedience to follow, even in spite of not understanding. I can, I'm just going to tell you, it's It's difficult. Following Jesus was never meant to be easy. And if you think it is, then you listen to a preacher that was ignorant tell you that if you, if you say yes to Jesus, he's going to give you more money, he's going to give you more stuff, he's going to take away all your problems. When the reality is, if you look at church history and you look at his disciples... All of the ones that try, decided to be radically obedient to Jesus suffered horribly. And I just, I'm, this isn't prophetic, but the church is going to enter into a season 
of persecution soon. I don't, I'm not, it's not like, hey, Jesus, come back next week, next Friday, actually. But we see it happen in Europe. We see it happen in Canada. At some point, it will be difficult. Right now, it's easy for the most part to be a Christian. And God is expanding his church and will continue to do so until he returns. But do we trust what he's doing? And this is why um, today, in just a little bit, we're going to have communion. Because this is your reminder that you didn't save you. Your actions, your obedience didn't earn you a place in the kingdom. His did. And the reason why he said when he instituted communion, do this in remembrance of me because we're a people that forget. We're a people that think, yes, we're awesome. American church is how it should be. Yes, 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 especially for us in the Bible Belt. When the reality is, his sacrifice is why we have a seat at the table. And having a seat at the table is a, uh, a permission giving on our side for God to ask us to awkwardly obey Him. Because at some point, the church is going to have to fight, and I don't mean physically, I don't mean bare arms, but it's going to have to fight to see the kingdom advance. Forceful men lay hold of it. And I mean forceful in the awkward obedience side. I mean laying down our lives. And this is a reminder that we at some point are going to have to lay down our lives. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean you're going to have to die, which you may. But we're going to have to settle into the fact that we may have to just surrender to what Jesus has for us. And part of this, and it goes back to what Peter did. Peter was connected. And I, I would say that this season of quarantine has been a struggle for most believers. Because your patterns are broken. Your connections are broken with other people and other believers and the, the small groups and the in the I mean we didn't meet for eleven weeks. And I would say this is a struggle for us to live in this world of obedience but be disconnected. And I just encourage you, Peter made what he or who he was a part of what he did. And so who he was was a disciple of Jesus, even though Jesus had now left the scene. He wasn't there physically with him anymore. He was still going there connecting. And when God spoke, he obeyed, even with his, you know, three times. Revelations 3.20, it's not going to be on your screen. Jesus is talking to a church that is struggling to be what they should literally says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. And at the end of that conversation, he has this verse in verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice 
and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. There is no extent that Jesus won't go to to continually show us mercy, continually bring us to a place of being settled with him so that we can be obedient. See communion for what it is, a reminder that we couldn't, but he could. See, today is a day that we remember, and I'm going to invite our worship team back up. Today is a day that we remember Jesus. And as much as I jokingly said these wafers are horrible, which they are, that doesn't matter. This is where we remind ourselves. This is where we renew potentially our commitment. And, and the beauty of this is, is when, when we step out of even disobedience, there's this mercy of, of Jesus going, just open the door to me. Let me be back where I was before and let us go. Like, I love looking at the Old Testament and seeing how screwed up the people of God are. I mean, look at it. I mean, they are the most fickle, the most, you know, okay, golden calf. Yep, he just did all these miracle, these miracles for us. Like, make us this thing and we'll worship it. But what I love about the Old Testament is God's willingness that in spite of, because I don't have the mercy that Jesus has, I mean, that God has in the Old Testament. And you're thinking, wow, mercy? Look, read it again from page to page. He continually comes back to a people that have rejected him, denied him, left where he told them to. He constantly, the moment they're like, we need you, he comes back. And the beauty of today is even if you've been in one of those moments, even if you've been in one of those places that I just feel isolated and separated you can, in moments, just say, God, here's the honesty of what's going on. Not what people think about me, but this is what's going on. And I need you. And this becomes a declaration that your mercy and your forgiveness and your righteousness and God's ability to use you comes from this source. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and broke it and said, this is my body. It has been broken for you. They didn't even know what this meant when it happened. I mean, as much as they knew that the cross was coming, they didn't know the cross was coming. At the end of supper, he took the wine. He said, this is my blood that was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So I don't know where you're at. Maybe you are not even in the game at all. Maybe you've never really surrendered. And I, I honestly believe the church is going to be sifted in this season from those that went to church culturally because it's habit and family and all these other things. It will be interesting when the church, when, when there is normal again, of who's going to come back. 
because they've had these moments of like, oh, maybe I don't need the church. But let me just tell you, God is in the business right now of growing his church. God is in the business. And I don't mean like here. I mean everywhere. God is in the business of proclaiming his goodness, inviting people into his mercy, and opening the door. So the church will come out of this healthier and stronger, and the kingdom will be advanced in and through this. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for us, um, and we're going to play for just a second. I encourage you, 1 Corinthians 11 says that you, you, you need to, to weigh what's going on. If there's unconfessed sin, take a minute and just go, God, this is the truth. This is where I'm at. And when you're ready, take communion. And be reminded that the thing that makes you acceptable is right here. And the thing that makes us family, regardless of where we came from or what our nationality is or what our color of our skin is, this makes us one people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you open wide a door through Peter's awkward obedience for us. And as we take communion, as we do this in remembrance of you, Lord, I pray that you would use this as a catalyst for change. That you would use this as a catalyst for us remembering that it's not all about us. That it's about you. And I pray that you would engage us. Encourage us so that we can engage others and encourage others. Lord, we thank you that you are willing to come to this planet. To do your life and ministry just the way you did it. And you went willingly to the cross pay the penalty of our sin and in that sacrifice you have made an opportunity for us to be right with you let us honor that today as we remember that sacrifice pray these things in jesus name amen